The following program is intended for mature audiences. Welcome to Rudy's Revelation. Sunday, May 30th, 2021. This week I'll be talking about the idea of fallback positions in regards to the coronavirus origin narrative, and also how contingencies are often used in deceit to ensure plausible deniability. be talking back to the Sunday Talking Heads on CBS Face the Nation, where former FDA Commissioner Dr. Scott Gottlieb discusses why narratives suggesting COVID-19 was a result of a leak in the Wuhan laboratory, how all that has been proven out. Also be checking in on Sunday Morning Propaganda at our favorite feel-good feature news program, CBS Sunday Morning. Correspondent Mo Rocca explores unhealthy push toward the world of virtual reality where no passports are required as a means to restrict and replace actual travel. This is mass madness, you maniacs! Also be turned into the Sunday New York Times showing how the newspaper continually mischaracterizes the facts to mislead the public. Of course, I'll be going over the weekend headlines all in the next 30 minutes. But first, I'll be taking you back to school, giving you some historical context to frame this week's news narratives. The word of the day is fallback something on which one can fall back. And as I mentioned before, that uh, we're talking about fallback positions today and contingency plans in regards to lying, to deceit and plausible deniability. Fallback position is a contingency option to be taken if the preferred choice is unavailable. And this is from Powered by Oxford Lexico, alternative course of action that may be taken if the original plan fails, fallback position. And from Wikipedia, a contingency plan is a plan devised for an outcome other than in the usual expected plan. It's often used for risk management and exceptional risk that, though unlikely, would have catastrophic consequences. Contingency plans are often devised by governments or businesses. Less than 3% of you people read books. Reading recommendation of the week, coronavirus origins discover the truth about SARS-CoV-2 and the source of the COVID-19 crisis. This is a, a book by Monica Zoltany. The book investigates the origins of the novel coronavirus, SARS-CoV-2, written in a candid style that encourages you to think for yourself. You'll engage with shifting narratives that explore the possible source of the virus, from the official story touted by the mainstream media to the bombshell reports commonly dismissed as conspiracy theories. Decide for yourself which of those is worth a second look. So this is the book Coronavirus Origins by Monica Zoltany. 
get right into the headlines. This is from the New York Times. U.S. experts press calls for China to allow deeper inquiries into the pandemic's origin. This is the lead in the story. With new attention on the coronavirus origin, experts and officials on Sunday called on China to provide greater transparency and speed inquiries into whether the devastating pandemic began with a leak from the lab. From the Daily Beast, how Hollywood's Jesus Jim Cavazell went full QAnon. Now, this is the media taking shots again at someone with an alternative viewpoint. Jim Cavazell, best known playing for Jesus in Mel Gibson's Passion of the Christ and his starring role in CBS Person of Interest, made people do a double take when he appeared at a right-wing conference in April to promote his forthcoming anti-child trafficking movie. And of course, right-wing is the slander with which they paint all conservatives these days. It was entirely shocking that Cavazell was at the Health and Freedom Conference, which he attended by former President Donald Trump's usual posse, including the conspiracy theory-loving trio of My Pillow CEO Mike Lindell, attorney Lynn Wood, and former Trump lawyer Sidney Powell. So he has this movie out, Jim Cavassell, that everyone should see, first of all. It's called The Sound of Freedom. So but while talking and promoting his movie, Cavassell went on a wild tangent, characterization, about QAnon conspiracy theory. I don't even think he talked about QAnon, but a QAnon conspiracy theory called adrenochroming. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's the adrenochrome is the drug that they get from the adrenal glands and which are excreted when people are in fear. This is from the Washington Post. Do deficits matter anymore? Biden's first budget signals they don't. President Biden waited to release his first budget until Friday afternoon on a holiday weekend, a signal that the White House wasn't looking for a lot of attention on his proposed spending bill. $6 trillion, a roughly 35% increase from pre-pandemic federal spending levels. From the Gateway Pundit, Alarm went off at secure building in Fulton County, Georgia, where ballots are kept. Building found wide open. This is an article by Joe Hoft. And basically what happened is where they were going to do another recount, where the Republicans were looking to hand count the ballots, where the ballots were stored was obviously broken into. The door was found wide open, so it was unsecured or left unsecured, um, which poses problems, obviously. From the New York Post, Dalton parents enraged over masturbation videos for first graders. This is an article by Dana Kennedy. And if you don't know, Dalton's school, kind of, it's a New York City uh, private school, uh, claimed to fame just recently when one of the parents pulled their kids out of school because of critical race theory. Again, from the Washington Post, even in the face of surging grocery prices, retail beef and pork prices cause sticker shock. In this article by Laura Riley, as food prices continue to rise, beef and pork have surged out front. This is obviously all part of a plan to get people off meat. you got to eat bugs. You won't be able to eat meat, eat meat, red meat in particular. From the New York Post, mothers criticize BLM activists for profiting off their dead sons. Grief-stricken mothers who have accused Black Lives Matter of profiting from the deaths of their sons condemned the group's embattled co-founder, Patrice Cullors, after she was announced she was stepping down from the movement. Uh, 
This is the woman, Patrice Cullors, got a lot of press attention when she was using the millions of dollars she was making running BLM. Uh, she was buying it, uh, houses all around the United States and around the world, frankly. Uh, this was my, this is my problem with Marxists. It's, if you really believe in the revolution, why don't you take all the money you have and give it to everybody? They won't do it. From Newsweek, Tennessee hat shop blasted for selling Nazi-style Jewish stars proclaiming not vaccinated in an article by Danielle Villarreal. It's very real. And, of course, they have to put Nazi in there, so they put Nazi-style Jewish stars. So everybody knows what the Jewish star is by now. You could just say what it is. And it's basically people putting the on themselves. So it's it's a political statement that's saying a vaccination status um is just like racism. I mean discrimination is discrimination. People don't get that. Um you're not oppressed. Look at the legal code. From the Daily Wire, Ron DeSantis signs bill cracking down on big tech. These platforms have become our public square. That's a quote from him in this piece by Tim Pierce. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed legislation Monday reigning in big tech companies and empowering users who believe they've been discriminated against unfairly. Indeed, we were just talking about discrimination. Discrimination is discrimination. doesn't matter if it's your skin color or, or whatever it is, is. People should all be treated fairly, and that's what the scales mean uh, in the symbolism for justice. That's what liberty is. Um, if you really look at the, the origins of the word liberty, you know, Libra, like the astrological sign, it's equal. Liberty doesn't mean free. It means that the common man has legal equality to the aristocrat or the royalty, that they have personal sovereignty. I tear right into the New York Times. An arms race in America, gun buying spike during pandemic, and it's still up. Preliminary research data shows that about fifth of all Americans who bought guns last year were first-time gun owners. Sales usually spike around elections, but sheer volume is notable because everybody should go out there and buy guns. And there are uh, liberals out there who are buying guns also. Um, maybe people are fearing a civil war. I think with a pandemic... People have seen enough zombie movies to know what's up. This is an article by Sabrina Tavernese. While gun sales have been climbing for decades, they often spike in election years and after high-profile crimes. Americas have been an unusually prolonged buying spree fueled by the coronavirus pandemic, the protests last summer, and the fears that, that they both stoke. Next article, our original past weren't supposed to be weaponized like this. A recent firing of the Associated Press is the latest example of the way in which our digital pasts are never far from present. Despite what the Internet evangelists thought, the Internet is a fossil machine. It preserves our thoughts and political positions, our jokes, our photos, our triumphs, and our mistakes are all captured in silicon amber. Um, the reality of this is just that don't put your personal life, that was very clear in the beginning, where people were putting their 
as they were on vacation posting their uh, travel pictures and then someone would break into their house and rob them. But the way social media companies work is that they take your identity, your individuality, who you are, and they sell it. They sell it, A, to the government, but anybody who wants to know exactly who you are, and mostly this is for companies to market to you, but also the government, you're putting yourself. The Internet knows you better than you know yourself. The DNC didn't get hacked in 2020. Here's why. Devastating email breach of the DNC royal Democrats in the final months of 2016. An unassuming security official made it his mission to prevent a recurrence. So this basically talks about how the DNC is hardening um, their cybersecurity. But they go on in the story to to point out that it was a Russian hack. It was never proven to be a Russian hack. Uh, matter of fact, the details from WikiLeaks shows that any intelligence agency, in particular the CIA and in the NSA tools, it showed how that when you're hacking, you leave um, basic footprints or fingerprints that lead people to the wrong conclusion. So the most obvious conclusion that it's a Russian hack because they found Cyrillic, you know, in in the hacking. Most people uh, believe the theory that Seth, Seth Rich was the leaker, and Julian Assange only almost came out and admitted it on television, that it was a leak, WikiLeaks, and that it wasn't hacked material. As GOP blocks inquiry, questions on January 6th attack may go unanswered. The demise of an independent panel to investigate the riot means that the country is unlikely to get a... De- Definitive accounting for one or the most serious domestic attacks government in history. The article from Luke Broadwater in blocking the formation of an independent commission to investigate the January 6th Capitol riot. At least they're calling it a riot and not insurrection at this point. Republicans in Congress have all but closed off the possibility of a full and impartial accounting for one of the most serious assaults on American democracy in history leaving unanswered critical questions with broad implications for politics, security, and public trust. Um, Just the fact um, that they don't call it an insurrection anymore just gives it credence that it wasn't an insurrection, it was a riot, and most of the people that have been arrested without bail are still in jail for basic trespassing. So we leave you the Sunday Review, which is the op-ed pieces for the New York Times, and of course we're back with Ross Dudat, why the lab leak theory matters. And this is what we're going to leave you with the talking heads as well from Ross Dudat, a website where prognosticators test their metal by playing for real. There's an open bet between British astrophysicist Martin Rees, a noted worrier of apocalyptic possibilities, and Harvard University's Steven Pinker. And so they talk about the difference here. If anybody knows Professor Pinker, this guy is a lunatic that wants a pandemic to kill up most of the population. But between him and, and the astrophysicist from Britain, Martin Rees, and this guy worries about such possibilities. One is a promoter of a deadly pandemic. The other one is worrying about it, obviously, with gain-of-function research and what's going on. So basically, this article just goes on to say, Ross Dudat um, has to admit uh 
that the evidence is star as a journalist, or he's not a journalist, but an opinion writer, but obviously he reads journalism, is that um, evidence is suggesting that the Wuhan Institute of Virology was responsible, and uh, the conspiracy is actually much deeper than that. But we're going to deal with the facade here that they're trying to talk about, which is now they're admitting to a laboratory leak, and they're even giving a nod to gain-of-function research. And this is just in an effort to scare the public again, when in reality, they organized the leak. It was a made-it-happen-on-purpose. So we're going to leave you with the talking heads. And first up, obviously, we have FDA Commissioner Scott Gottlieb, and he's going to basically admit the admittable, which is that this was a manufactured virus, novel, novel coronavirus, never been out there before. And, but he's saying, oh, accidents happen all the time. And here's what I'm going to lay in for you, is that this virus, which was developed between the U.S. and, and some Chinese scientists, but the Chinese didn't have it, but they helped build it. And then it was it was given to the Chinese or allowed the, the Chinese to obtain it. We'll get into that another time. And, of course, they were working on it in a bio-level 2 laboratory. They knew this. They knew it was contagious. They gave it to the Chinese. They knew it would leak out. So it leaked on purpose. So let's listen to Scott Gottlieb on... Face the nation. Why is it that there is now a conversation about how this pandemic started? And why is that important? Well, look, I think the challenge is that the side of the ledger that suggests that this could have come out of a lab has continued to expand. And the side of the ledger that suggests that this could have come from a zoonotic source, come out of nature, really hasn't budged. And if anything, you can argue that that side of the ledger has contracted because we've done an exhaustive search for the so-called intermediate host. The animal that could have been a host to this virus before it spread to humans. We have not found such an animal. We've also fully disproven the, the market, the food market that was initially implicated in the original outbreak as the source of the outbreak. And so that side of the ledger probably has shrunken. And China could uh, provide evidence that would be exculpatory here. They could provide the blood samples from those who worked in the lab in Wuhan. They've refused to do that. They could provide the source strains, some of the original strains. They've refused to do that. They could provide access to some of the early samples that we could sequence. They could provide an inventory of what was in the lab, the Wuhan Institute of Virology, the lab that has been implicated in a potential lab leak. They have refused to do that. And we know that that lab was poorly constructed, had poor controls. That was reported at the time that it was first opened. We know the lab was engaging in very high-risk research, including infecting transgenic animals, animals with fully human immune systems. We know they were working with SARS-like viruses that have never been disclosed before. And now we have new evidence that some lab workers became infected right at the time that this virus was believed to be first introduced. That's been publicly reported. So that side of the ledger has expanded, and I think that's why there is renewed focus on this. In terms of your final question, why this is important, I think if we assess that there is a probability or a possibility that this came out of a lab, it's going to affect how we respond to this. We, we're going to need to focus on trying to get better controls and this sort of high-risk research going forward. 内疚. 
and get better controls over these BSL-4, these high-security labs that conduct this research. Incidentally, um, China was not conducting this research in a BSL-4 lab. They were doing it in a lower-security BSL-2 lab. Your argument is it's important to know how this started in this case because there is this specific lab, but there have been also other cases where security has been lax and there have been leaks. And so it's important to figure out what happened here in order to kind of lock the doors tight to keep it from happening again. That's right. These kinds of lab leaks happen all the time, uh, actually. Even here in the United States, we've had mishaps. And in China, the last six known outbreaks of SARS-1 have been out of labs, including the last known outbreak, which was a pretty um, extensive outbreak. That China initially wouldn't disclose that it came out of a lab. It was only for the, it was only disclosed finally by some journalists that were able to trace that outbreak back to a laboratory. So it's important to understand what the possibility is that this came out of a lab, so we could focus more international attention on trying to get better uh, inventories around these labs, what they're doing, better security, make sure they're properly built. We need to also look at public health through the lens of national security. This was an asymmetric harm to the United States. This was an asymmetric harm to the United States. COVID hurt the U.S. a lot more than it hurt many other countries. Traditionally, we've, we've relied on international conventions and scientists working together, multilateral agreements. There was discussion of this very early in the uh, response to the pandemic. People thought this might be one of the places it might have come from. <laughs> if we had known for certain, which is a, it's an open question of whether we ever could have known, but if in the early days of the pandemic uh, we had known that it came from this lab, would that have changed in any way the response to the pandemic? I'm not sure it would have affected how we responded to it. Once this became epidemic in China and once it escaped China, it was going to behave the way it behaved. And I'm not sure there's things we would have learned or gleaned um, by knowing that it came out of a lab and perhaps was manipulated or humanized in a lab. We could ascertain that this was pretty humanized by the time it started to spread in humans. Again, I think this is more of a question going forward. And we may never really determine with precision whether or not this came out of a lab. <laughs> I think what we're likely to end up with is an assessment, um, a probability. Unless we get very lucky and we either find the intermediate host, we find a colony of civet cats or pangolins where this is epidemic and it could have first spilled over into humans, or we have a whistleblower in China. This virus, COVID-19 SARS-CoV-2 virus, actually is not from nature. It is a man-made virus created in the lab Based on the China military discover and owned the very unique bad coronavirus, which cannot affect people, but after the modification, become the very harmful virus. Or regime change, which we're not going to have. I don't know that we're going to find out with certainty that this came out of a lab. I think we're going to ultimately come up with an assessment and a probability on whether this came out of a lab versus a zoonotic source. And it's going to take some more data to get a better overall assessment in terms of the probability this could have come out of a lab. But we might get that information. COVID-19 SARS-CoV-2 virus actually is not from nature. Outright treason. Yeah, man. Uh, so there it is. From Pfizer, Scott Gottlieb, um, and of course, Tucker Carlson. Chinese woman, the whistleblower that you heard was uh, from Tucker Carlson's um, 
that came on a couple times already and is in fear for her life, obviously, because she exposed it. Whether you believe it's an agent, double agent, spy, not spy, whistleblower, whatever, um, everybody's uh, coming around the fact that uh, it was a man-made virus and it leaked from the Wuhan lab, uh, obviously. So we're going to leave you with uh, the coming technology of the future, uh, VR goggles. Um, they're dangerous. People shouldn't mess around with any of this virtual reality stuff. So here's Mo Rocca with talking about VR glasses. I think it's not quite entirely clear what the optical and even, you know, the psychological effects probably have. I don't let my kids use it very much at all. I don't let my kids use it very much at all. A virtual reality headset. Via virtual reality, VR for short, while the headset makers don't release sales figures, some Facebook VR groups report that their membership has tripled in the last year. I'm going under. Immersive is how this technology is often described, and I can attest. Oh, is that a giant seal? Is that a in Antarctica, courtesy of a National Geographic app? Wow. For the price of a couple hundred bucks, you can get yourself some goggles, get in here, build worlds, start creating events, and start making VR something you want it to be. If you haven't figured it out, we're meeting in VR as avatars. This does, in fact, feel more personal, more intimate than yes. a Zoom session. Boy. As impressive as VR technology is, I found myself feeling a little seasick the first couple of times I tried it. And here's another caveat. I know so many friends who are buying VR headsets for their kids. And it's not technically a kid device at all. Scott Stein is editor-at-large at CNET. Why is it? I think it's not quite entirely clear what the optical and even, you know, the psychological effects probably of, of using this stuff. Um, could be. I don't let my kids use it very much at all. But for big kids like Adrian Charlie, it's a virtual wonderland. As soon as you log off from here, you're going to be in Tanzania or in Uruguay. Exactly. I haven't had my immersive trip for the day. You don't need a passport. No passport required. I think it's not quite entirely clear what the optical and even, you know, psychological effects probably of using this stuff yeah man they want you to be at home under house arrest so you just get these VR goggles and you won't care if you're locked in your house go anywhere you want virtually Anyway, that's it for us. See you next week. Rudy's Revelation. Check us out. Facebook and Twitter.